Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenka. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenka. That's right. I'm showing up to this pod like Ryan Archidiacono coming in for crunch time minutes, ready to just cough it up. (laughs) (laughs) And our good friend, Mike Minkoff. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, It's nice to be back on the podcast and uh adam i'm glad you've recovered from the required cooling off period after mo bamba's stella stella performance in the uh, first preseason game against the celtics i know you've been a long time mo bamba fan i didn't realize you'd gonna we're gonna need a whole week off but yeah we had to, to take two weeks off just to give adam time quite the boston accent there mike you could run for stella. Mayor, Maya stella. with that accent all right Today on the podcast, we are talking about the first two preseason games against Orlando and Toronto. We're going to talk some lineups. We're going to talk some fun lineups. We'll talk about uh, what we notice in the difference between Brad as a coach and Ime Odoka as a coach. And we'll look ahead to the next and final two preseason games. Uh, And maybe we'll preview a special guest for next week. But first, reactions to Orlando and Toronto. Josh, can we start with you? Give us uh, one or two biggest reactions from those games. Yeah, my biggest reaction is about the Fords. I'm coining this term. I think I'm the first on the scene with this term, the Fords. That would be Romeo, Link, Ford, and Al Horford. The Fords. They're coming on strong. They're both impressing me, especially Romeo. Um, you know, we can't. I, I, I can't have any reactions without saying, you know, this is what I've noticed from Summer League. So we'll see if they do it in the regular season too. But Horford is looking spry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I kind of pushed this all in there with the summer league, uh, but yeah, I, I'm you know Horford's looking more spry than than he did last year or the year before, and something just seems to click with him in our system playing with these guys. It kind of yeah, I mean I could I could go on and on about like why it maybe didn't work when Horford was here last time. More to do with other players, you know, who were here, and now there's kind of room for him to to lead like. Or maybe there's a whole thing of once you don't appreciate what you have till you lose it, and now it's back. So I'm, I'm just excited about those two guys, the Fords. You know, you talk about Horford, Josh. He, he looks totally spry, like you said. And it just reminds me that as we go to pace and space and wings become the most important position on the floor, it still is so crucial to winning to have a versatile big. And we really missed that with uh, with Horford gone. And it's nice to see him back. He certainly does not look 35 years old. No, he's He's been looking fa- fantastic. That, that has certainly stuck out to me. Josh, you had asked um, before the season, I think you had asked on Slack, and you also put on Twitter at Coach Matenko uh, a poll about the Celtics' third best player. I think there was pretty unanimous uh, or, or, or certainly high percentage of people that that voted Marcus Smart. It, is Al Horford making making you rethink that? I'll be honest, he's making me rethink that a little bit based on just how impactful he's been when on the court in preseason. And I know it's preseason, but he he really looks like he hasn't lost like missed a missed a step, missed a beat since kind of helping the Celtics get to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, two years in a row in his last last iteration here. Yeah, I was uh, I was writing that for an article that Marcus Smart is is now clearly the third best player on the Celtics team that's been to the playoffs, yada yada yada, past years, right? And was just like, let me check and see if that's what Celtics fans actually think. 
you know, 300 votes later, 68% chose Marcus Smart. So I'm like, okay, I'm good to put that in the article. I'm not ready to, to, to say that Al Horford is the third best right now um, because I think that he's made a huge impact. But I look at the impact that Smart has had on the new guys and, and like I see him as the potential captain. And that was like the, the media uh, question mark of the last couple of weeks is who's, who's Ime Udoka going to name as the captain of the Celtics. Um, and uh, to me, it's just always been smart and it's going to be smart no matter who they name. And like the image of Marcus smart at the end of the last preseason game, or maybe like fourth quarter, it was quite the game smarts putting his arm around Josh Richardson and, and like their buddy, buddy, like dancing around doing, doing the house party dance on the sidelines uh, as the team goes to timeout. And so it was like, Smart is obviously he has players around him who can be receptive to what he uh, leads with, you know, the toughness, the vocal stuff. Like now we got some more veterans and guys who can defend and want to. Um, and so smart is is actually heard. And, and I think his impact can be echoed even further. Um, so I, I still see smart as the third best. Yeah. Yeah, a, a few other. Uh, yeah, I think I think it will be interesting to see who who uh, gets named captain. I don't think it's like a big draw, you know, drama or anything like that. I'm just kind of curious. I do like that Udoka is bringing the captain back after Stevens made a point of not having it. Um, Didn't he say they'd have two captains? He said they'd have two. Uh, so yeah. yeah, and and you know, I I think it's basically going to be two out of Horford, Smart, Brown, and Tatum. Josh, can I? We'll we'll see which two. Can I ask you a couple questions about captains? Because you you coached yeah. college basketball. Did you have captains on your teams? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it was like everybody's a leader, and you're trying to promote everybody raising their leadership skill set, no matter where they started from. What made you decide whether to have them or not? I mean, I always liked them. I think that it it anytime you can put people in leadership roles and and give them the responsibility of keeping others accountable. And, you know, like I always think back to, to the Bill Russell quote about like team ego and Kevin Garnett adopted that as like, my ego is the biggest ego in the NBA, but I have a team ego. It's not a, an ego about myself like that. I, you know, I, I eat that stuff up. So um, I always liked having captains. I do think it's interesting looking at those four that you said, Mike, like it, if if JB or Tatum are named a captain by their peers, for example, you know it's it's always good when when one of your best players can be a captain. Um, I was going to ask about what, that. Another reason, yeah, that's that's why the, Kevin Garnett was so special. You know, like when you have the hardest working role player, like lead by example type guy who's willing to do whatever the coach asks, and he's actually your best player. Now you've really got something. That's a whole other level of captainship. What's the impact if, if it's not your best smart, player? Yeah, I, like, I'm say kind it's of assuming it's smart. going to be smart, smart and Horford. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming it's going to be. Um, but I don't know how they're choosing. If it's the coaching staff that chooses, or are they doing like anonymous votes? Like we would, we we've done it both ways in in programs that I've coached in. I think the anonymous votes are more impactful because it means that you're getting voted in by your peers. Yeah, I I I did think it was a little interesting. I I think I think captains that are kind of. Uh, selected by peers, I agree that that's that's particularly powerful and resonant. I did think it was a little interesting that um, it was kind of predetermined to be two people um, versus because right. I, I think there could be opportunity. So my, you know, my read from afar of the Celtics locker room is that 
um, despite the comments that Smart said, he he would care if he's not named a captain. Yeah. Um, he he said something along the lines of being like, "Who cares? <laughs> like leadership is leadership." Um, but I think it would matter to him, and I think it would matter in the locker room, frankly. Um, I think Horford is kind of has a natural leadership uh, affect, and I think Brown would care. I don't think I think Tatum would be perfectly happy to not be a ca- captain. So I think yep. I think by kind of naming that it's going to be two ahead of time. Uh, it does have this potential to kind of create a little bit of a tension because somebody that either wants to be or should be or, or really kind of both um, might will be not part of that captaincy, which which I didn't love. That was I did have a little bit of a gut reaction, being like, "Why is it only two? Um, well, the good thing about saying that it's only two is that it's easier to add one than to take one away. So you always have that option in the back pocket, right? I suppose that's that's a great point. Yeah, you may maybe like. Yeah, you know, I said three. I said two, but we realized we should have three. That that would yeah. be that would be uh, totally legit. Yeah. Um, Mike Josh was mentioned uh, Langford, who's obviously shooting better. Do you see that as a as sort of a fluke? Do you see him continuing with this? <laughs> it is preseason. Like I, watching um, that second game, I was like, oh, we should be starting this guy. But come on. No, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not going to go say we should be starting Langford uh, based on a great preseason game. He, he's unquestionably looking more comfortable with his shot, like just the the quickness of the release. Um, you know, he didn't look all that good in the first preseason game against Orlando. He looked very good uh, starting uh, while JB was out um, in our second preseason game. You know, I, I it's heartening just to see him. You know, shooting. I think he went three for three from three. Maybe he went two for three. Um, but but the stroke was there. He no hesitation. Um, he was able to take it to the hoop a couple of times. You know, so that's that's all nice to see. Um, he has he has shown up. I think. You know, some other just general reactions. Uh, Richardson, who had a terrible first game against the Magic, uh, had a much more solid second game, uh, and I think that's going to more be more indicative of his performance. Uh, his three-point shot looks a little worse than I kind of uh, was willing to accept um, pr- before before uh, the season. So, you know, I think anyone hoping for him to be like a 35-plus percent shooter is probably hoping for a little too much. He might get there, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on it. Um, uh, and and it was all I thought the team as a whole clearly benefited from those that whatever five-game break between the the game against the Magic and the the second preseason game, um, their their offense, their sets looked a lot cleaner. They're still a little sloppy turning the ball over, but you can start to see some like semblance of uh, the offense. Um, Emay's putting in. You get some nice. I, I really like the way they're starting to use uh, Tatum out of kind of the 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 post off the wing, um, and and letting that draw the attention of the defense and create kind of open shooters like when Tatum uh, found Langford on the other side of the floor for a wide open three. Um, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Tatum improving as a distributor. And, and I know I personally envisioned that as him kind of working on his drive and dish game. Uh, but I think, I think that it's a really savvy decision by the coaching staff to kind of actually accentuate his, his playmaking out of the post. Uh, and, and I think that's a really cool development that, that they're clearly going to make a point of focus. Yeah, I have three things that I'm kind of stealing from uh, the conversation, my points in the conversation later about the difference between the coaches, but I'm seeing uh, much better passing in this team from everybody. Uh, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about 
Tatum and Brown and how they need to be facilitators. But I love, love seeing it. The offense is so much more interesting. It's more fun, uh, more open shots. I think it's better for the other players on the team. Uh, it's night. The, the rotations, the depth on this team is night and day from last year. I'm just remembering back to preseason where I was shouting <laughs> because we were so thin off the bench that uh, Grant Williams had to step up and play, be like our seventh man last year for the, for the team to play well. And we wanted him to be our fourth man. Was it, and yeah, <laughs> I don't think I went quite that far, but we were just so thin. There was nobody off the bench. And this year, who cares if Grant Williams plays well? We have enough players. Uh, so I love seeing that. Um, and the grit level. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, go ahead. The, the ball movement is something I've noticed too and wanted to talk about. You know, when you look around the league at the best ball movement teams, you're looking at like, you know, not just the point guards, but the entire team just swinging the ball, moving it. You're looking at the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns. I think those were the top two in the league last year. You know, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets every year. But if the Celtics can move into whatever that top five best ball movement teams in the league are, that's, I mean, that's that would be huge. And to come out in the first and then the second preseason game, really moving it, um, you know, starting with Juancho Hernan Gomez as, as being a really savvy European guy who knows how to move the ball in the starting lineup. That one kind of gave me pause. Like the last time we talked about who we were going to be the starters, he wasn't even signed yet uh, so or traded for. So, you know, like that's that's something I think that when you look at like Romeo Langford should start, I'm thinking the same thing about Juancho, you know, especially after seeing how he played in comparison uh, with the you're trying to finish the last game with Archie Diacono and uh, Hauser on the court and Jabari Parker. You know, like he was, he struggled with that group, but with the starters, he fit right in. The last point I had was about the grit level on this team. Uh, the additions of Josh Richardson, um, the maturity of some of the bench players, uh, Neesmith getting a little more time, Cantor coming back. I, I just, I mean, uh, even Wancho, Josh, you mentioned him. I mean, he's, he's even hustling. Bruno. <laughs> even Bruno. <laughs> Is it too soon to campaign for Bruno as starting center? Is no, that, never too soon. Okay, I, just checking. I, I expect him to ride the pine, and apparently he's like handshaking everybody up, and and like he sounds like he's a perfect person for the bench. Uh, but um, Horford coming back too. I mean, we talked about how soft this team was last year. Uh, that looks like it's changing, um, and I, I'm curious about how much that has to do with Odoka. I, this team will be. This has a team has a much feistier personnel. Like Josh Richardson and Dennis Schroeder are feisty. Horford is gritty. Um, I think one thing that I, I wanted to to raise. You you said Adam that you didn't care how Grant Williams performs. I'm I'm right back on the Grant Grant Williams hype train. Um, Skinny Grant. He he he's he has pulled me back in. His sh- shot looks great. Oh, no. uh, he's able to actually move out there. Um, I, I think Grant is going to be ahead of Wancho in the rotation, Josh, Whoa. so brace yourself. All of this uh, is true, except for that Wancho part, I'd say. Keep going. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think Wancho is uh, useful enough on defense to, to be meaningful rotation player, is my guess, but we'll see. Um, anyway, I, I just think, I think we are going to have a lot of grit, um, and uh, it's, I, I think, I don't, I don't think it's, right to put that on Udoka. I I think I do think the ball movement and the ability to communicate the importance of the ball movement 
we can we can put on Udoka because I think one thing that makes the message just hit different from him versus Stevens is that he can say very literally, it's like, look, I was sitting and scheming against you guys in Philadelphia for the playoffs and in Brooklyn for the playoffs. And we said, this team is easy to guard because they never pass, uh, you know, and that's just different than Brad Stevens seven or eight years in trying to com- convey ball movement over and over again. So, you know, I think, I think for players like Tatum and Brown, it helps them understand that like teams just find them unthreatening or less threatening because they're not moving the ball. Um, but no, I'm, you know, I, th- I think there are some but, positive things. There's obviously a lot of growth. The team still has, has to go. Go ahead, Josh. Well, the grit, I think the grit can also come from Udoka. You know, like none of us here would be calling Brad Stevens gritty. Like, I, the, I would the segment that I, I wanted would, to I have. I would absolutely but, call yeah, Brad me too. Gritty. But how does that transfer? You would, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You call Brad Stevens gritty, tough, yes. gritty. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah. To me, to me, you know, Brad Stevens. I wouldn't call him aggressive. A more. He's but always been a little bit more of like the Poindexter type to, to me. Uh, to you, you know, we had. I had a segment. I had a segment that I wanted to run with you guys of like, which if all the coaches got to do a fight, who would win? Right? You guys wouldn't let me have the segment on the air, right? But I feel like we went from like someone who's competing for last place on that list to someone who's competing for first place on that list with Udoka. Like, he's he's a big dude. He's uh, I think has that kind of menacing scowl. Like as he's as he's surveying the court during the game, it's a different look than than Brad's. You know, Steve is kind of like biting his lip and with his arms crossed. It's just a little bit of a different look, I think, over there on the sidelines. And I like it. I think I think it is more gritty, at least in appearance. Hey, Celtics Pride fans and especially Coach Josh Motenko fans, <laughs> if you want that segment, uh, you either need to tweet, tweet at Josh, at Coach Motenko, uh, that you want to have that. If we get five of those tweets, Josh, I'll do that. Yeah, I'm, yeah or, I'm or tweet at us at, at, at Celtics Pride Pod. Either way. I'll, Just let, let us I'll have the age of each coach. I'll have the rankings all ready to go. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm here for that. I, I like that deal, Adam, that you just brokered on, on here. Uh, I will, I will say, you know, don't, I agree that Brad Stevens would probably be low in the rankings on the physical fight. I, I would just not mistake being uh, effective in a fight as uh, equivalent to grittiness. Um, personally, I, respect that. I, I, I don't think those are equivalent. Yeah, so I, I talked about the depth of this team. Let's talk a little bit about lineups here, Josh. Let me throw it to you. I know there was a good article on the blog that Bill Sy wrote about lineups with Odoka. Yeah, I really like Bill's article. It's short and sweet, but the point was that Udoka wants to solidify a starting lineup at the end of preseason. You know, maybe the lineups we see, you know, for the starters in preseason are not what we're going to see through the regular season, but he wants to solidify them early on. That's something that Brad Stevens never did. Uh, even, you know, there were points in like three quarters of the way through the season with that we on this podcast had been begging Brad Stevens to finally come up with the rotation so players can, you know, understand what their expectations are. And it, I wonder if the players on the team with a new coach kind of came together and said, hey, coach, this is how we one thing that we'd like to ask for that would we hope would be different, uh, you know, post Brad Stevens. Like we'd like to know what our expectations are of 
where and when we're going to play. Obviously, if injuries or COVID happens, we have to adjust. But to know ahead of time is preferred. Yeah, that that was definitely um, one of, if not the thing I liked uh, the least about how Stevens coached the team was his insistence on never settling on rotation. It seemed um, I, I thought that was that was for someone that was kind of had a high degree of empathy uh, and, and effective communication, et cetera, as a coach. I thought that was something he did consistently that put the players in a, in a position to perform worse um, over the long haul. Uh, I do have found it interesting. Udoka uh, at the beginning, pre pre preseason before the first preseason game, I think he said that the goal was to basically lock in on nine to 10 player rotation. Yeah. Uh, I believe he recently said that there are like 12 to 13 players that he's <laughs> thinking he like. might play. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to get all the way down to that nine to 10 number. Um, I do think it's going to be very interesting if he does, who is in and out of that nine to 10 count. Um, especially because I think one of the, the key factors. So if I were going to like rate rank players based on talent, um, loosely, like a player like Cantor probably would not be in the top 10. He, he's not someone that would be a surefire in that top 10 rotation spot, but based on just the depth of the team and where we do and don't have depth. And based on what I think is looking increasingly likely to be a starting lineup that includes both Rob and Al, which, which is my guess as to how the starting lineup will shake out with, with Tatum, JB and uh, smart rounding out the, the five, uh, the five man lineup. Um, Cantor is going to have to play like 10 to 15 minutes just to fill the, uh, the rotation out or Fernando, but that, that seems far less likely. So, you know, I'm, I'm very curious cause we've got so many players that were, that are new, like Schroeder and uh, Richardson. We've got Pritchard who, who is going to be on the floor cause he spaces the floor so effectively and, and he can handle the ball solidly. And then we've got Neesmith and Langford who everybody wants to see play. They're showing flashes. We want to see them develop, but that, that's already like 12 guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my locks for the rotation, there's seven. Will, uh, Rob Williams, Horford, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Richardson, Schroeder. And then you've got a second tier in that I would put Neesmith, Pritchard, Lankford, Wancho, and Grant Williams, and even Cantor in that category. So that's another six. We're talking 13 people there. Yeah. What a good yeah, I think it depends on matchups. Right. So now, now you have that, that like, third group you know Cantor's not going to play every day he's going to have some dnp cds but against bigger teams he's going to play a lot you know against philadelphia and Embiid, he's going to play a lot but doesn't that run a little contrary to what udoka is striving for to have that core nine to ten man rotation totally i mean you can have a bit of versatility but then you're then you're not locking in like so if it's nine to ten people per game um, which would still, to me, be an, an improvement relative to how Brad ran the rotations, which often went like 12 to 13 players deep. Uh, and I, I thought kind of led to disruptive in-game rhythm for players. Um, you know, that would be a change and probably an improvement, but it's still, it, it, it still seems to be, you know, running a little bit sideways from what he was initially hoping to do and maybe realizing might not work as easily as he, as he had initially hoped uh given the depth on this team yeah um 
I mean, injuries always play a role in this also, uh, which they will happen. Um, and that will, I think, sort things out in helpful ways in the preseason, um, just in helpful in terms of the rotation. Uh, Josh, do you have any other thoughts on this, on what the rotation might look like? And do, do you guys agree with my guess at the starting lineup, or do you think it's going to be something different? I don't even want to say, I don't even want to make predictions at this point. We're, we're halfway through the preseason. I think the, the whole point of this preseason is to get guys playing together and to figure out what the rotation should be, who Odoka likes playing together. So I, so we got two more games here. So things are going to shift, I would say. Yeah, I said Josh Richardson before. I'm going to stick with that for now, although I like the Juancho idea. Um, you know, sometimes you start a center that you know is not going to finish the game. You know, sometimes you, you have like an intentional reason for having your starters be a certain way. And I think the Juancho ball mover with the starting unit and, and all your other best players uh, who can also knock down the three when left open, you know, I, I think that he's a perfect fit. Um, and I kind of think that Udoka is going to like seeing Smart and Richardson out there together as ball hawks on the perimeter. Um, yeah. But, I think, you know, to celebrate, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think Wancho and Grant are a little interchangeable. Same with Neesmith and Langford. I think those those are the players that are going to sort of steal minutes from each other. And you could even say the same thing about Schroeder and Pritchard, just, just for size reasons with them. I would hope. I'm hoping we're not running two small guys on the court at the same time. I I think we'll see some Schroeder Pritchard or or Smart Pritchard lineups. I think smart I think one I'm of the things with. it's just Schroeder and thing, Pritchard together. I mean, Schroeder played with Shea CP and CP three. Not that not that Pritchard is either of those players, but <laughs> um, you know, Schroeder Schroeder. I think, you know, he's pretty long uh, and when he's locked in or engaged defensively, I think he can guard up a little bit. Um, and, and Pritchard holds his ground pretty effectively. I think on offense, the plus side is if you give, put a floor spacer like Pritchard next to Schroeder, then he's going to be able to kind of slice into the lane that much more effectively and, and kind of uh, create problems for the defense. So I think I yeah. think they'll do it occasionally and it could be, it'll be interesting, but I don't think it'll be like a core rotation staple it's only the defense yeah. that is my concern I, I agree with mike i think you're going to see that double small ball small point guard lineup out there adam um despite what you might desire but you know at least just the idea that we may have a, a set starting lineup is a breath of fresh air so we thank coach udoka for that and in celebration of po- the possibility of knowing who the starters would be and setting expectations up i'm curious what our bench mob might look like or our second quarter units and I uh, wanted to introduce a segment I uh, call Lineup Fun. What is the most fun lineup in your opinion, guys? Not This can't be the starters, right? You can't choose all the starters, but non, non all the starters, what's your favorite lineup? Yeah. I've, I've got a one starter lineup that I, that I can there toss out here for you guys to chew on. It actually involves just this two small point guard situation. It's a, oh it's a, pretty, it's a pretty small lineup. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's reasonably small. So it's got Schroeder, Pritchard, and Neesmith. So you get uh, Grant Williams and Robert Williams. So why, why I think this would be really fun. So like I just said, I think Schroeder can guard up a little bit. I think Neesmith is going to, will try to guard up a little bit. He might, he, he'd get bully balled by some threes for sure. Uh, in the league, Pritchard will be able to hold his own against certain, you know, ones and twos. Um, 
Grant Williams, I, I'm, I told you, I'm getting sucked back in. I, I like the way he's moving. I think he can be solid as a, you know, in a backup four role and hold his own on defense. Um, and then with Pritchard, Neesmith, and Grant, you get three of our, our best shooters on the court together to spread the floor. I love the idea of them spreading the floor around a Schroeder, Rob Williams pick and roll. Um, because you're going to yeah. get a lot of Schroeder. Now, I, I have seen some scouting reports. I think our our uh, Celtics blog podcast feed, um, uh, uh, the fellow fellow uh, Potter, uh, Adam Taylor, has chronicled that Schroeder, and apologies if it wasn't Adam Taylor, but I have seen Schroeder is chronicled as not a very good lob passer. Um, <laughs> so maybe the Schroeder-Rob Williams tandem won't be as dynamic as it is in my head. But I do love the idea, you know, Schroeder is kind of a blur with the ball. Uh, get him, you know, going downhill off a, off a Rob Williams screen. Uh, Time Lord running to the hoop. You've got three good shooters around him. I think that will be a very effective offensive unit. Um, and then on defense, I think against second second units, they'll be able to hold their own. So that's, that, so, that, that's the one that I think would be a lot of fun. That law passing comment is so interesting to me because I, I feel like Schroeder is one of the better ones on the team, but I felt like we only had one on the team last year, and that was Marcus Smart. And I'm kind of like, who do we even have this year other than him if Schroeder is not included? Like maybe maybe Horford, but yeah, we still don't that, have many. Given that the Celtics have had a notoriously horrendous track record of throwing lobs, like think back to all of the Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown failed attempts at throwing alley-oop lobs. Um, I, I would guess like Robert Williams is ironically, probably one of our best lob throwers. <laughs> Al Horford might be decent. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Jason Tatum actually probably is solid, but yeah, it's, it's not. It's Pritchard's not exactly. good. Pritchard's good. Yeah. I was just thinking that as I said, uh, Tatum, I agree. Um, yeah, it's never been, never been a, a skill of strength on our, on our roster. My bench mob lineup has to have two guys in it, and that's Richardson and Neesmith. Those are the guys that are going to bring energy and grit and like running around, diving, other than smart. Uh, those are the guys that need to be in it, like really providing energy. I want Pritchard in that lineup, too, knocking down threes. Uh, those guys are going to get the crowd into it, and I think that's a big piece of this. And then rounding out my lineup, I've got Langford and either Rob Williams or Cantor, depending on what the the initial the starting lineup looks like. That is a really big either or like that changes the entire flavor of the experience oh it totally does it totally does but you need you need a rebounder in there uh and i you know Cantor. i think he's he's got some bench mob fun to his game with the offensive rebounds uh you, you need players who the, t- the fans don't expect a tremendous amount from uh to get them going uh and and those are the guys that bring energy and i, I mean look they've played poor teams in the preseason so far but one of the things i've loved is the way that the bench mob style lineups with some of these guys have brought them back uh, and, and basically won the fourth quarters of the last two games. Yeah. We want to imagine these, these lineups as being the, the second quarter unit, or maybe the one making a run for us at the end of the third before our best five players end the game to get together. My, my fun lineup is the one that exemplifies to me like the new identity that we have of a team that can get out and run and really defend and switch everything. Uh, so I've got Schroeder and Richardson in the backcourt, Brown at the three, and Neesmith playing the four, which is kind of a an unsung spot that I think that he can be really good at. And then Horford kind of steadying the ship and, and being another ball mover. Uh, but Adam, I, I have that Neesmith-Richardson combo off the bench along with Brown 
and and Schroeder on the perimeter. I just really like how that team is quick and athletic and, and can really push the ball and run and get some transition points off of defensive stops. Yeah, likely you're going to have a Brown or Tatum in one of these lineups. I'm assuming that Udoka is going to try and keep one of them on the floor at all times. Speaking of Udoka, um, he's made multiple comments of having big, multiple big lineups. We hated it last year. Josh, you seem kind of into it this year. Where are you with it? No, I'm not into having two bigs on the court. I think that you you have Robert Williams start the game and Horford's backing him up. My question mark is about like whether Rob Williams has the same motivation that he had last year. Now that Horford's kind of there to save him, um, you know, he didn't have that the last couple of years with Daniel Tice back there and other characters. So he kind of was forced into the spotlight and really stepped up. I thought you were going to say uh, now so that I'm, he has the contract. No, <laughs> no. Uh, but no, I'm not a fan of, of Horford starting at the four or having them out there together. Um, and I really like the depth that we have of, of Cantor and then Fernando behind him. They're all going to end up playing just through injuries and, and things like that. Um, I don't like, yes, I don't like the idea of Horford. I'd rather have somebody else diving with Horford next to him. Like defensively, I don't think that we're that good when Horford and Robert Williams are out there together on, in terms of perimeter defense, you know, the idea of them two switching, multiple actions at the same time or being a part of multiple switches in one action scares me when trying to guard three pointers. Um, Yeah. I mean, Rob Williams is still one of the worst defenders on guarding the three point line. I think on our team, you know, even though he has the quickness to switch and stay in front of a guard, if they're driving. Um, Yeah. I just don't like, we have no upside with that. I think it, it limits our, our potential defensively. I mentioned the importance of having versatile bigs. Horford comes back. He's showing the impact of that. Uh, Rob Williams has shown that offensively to a growing extent, especially last year with his passing, which he always had in his bag. He just wasn't showing as much. Um, always versatile on defense. Mike, I'm assuming that's where you're coming from with the why not question, because you can play Rob Williams at the four, or I mean, maybe Horford, as spry as he's looking, can move around and, and guard wings better than I mean, we would have expected. Coming into I the think, year, but I think un, to me, it's unquestionably our five best players are Time Lord, Al Horford, Tatum, Brown, and Smart. Yeah. Um, and and I yeah, I don't I don't see it quite the same way, Josh, as far as their uh, potential. I actually think that defensive lineup could be suffocating. Um, Robert Williams, if he gets too far. Uh, out in the perimeter, I agree, can get exposed, but he's gotten so much better at just, you know, he basically stays far enough that the players think they can get shots off, and then he just blocks them when they take their threes, which is endlessly delightful to watch. Um, he's, you know, he's not, he's not like perfect out there, uh, but I, I think the defensive versatility uh, that you need is, is there. And, and I was actually in a discussion with a couple of the, the Celtics blog guys on Slack um, about um, kind of the, the, the lineups and, and the, and the potential. And, and I just think, um, you know, I think the Celtics are probably looking at that as clearly their best lineup, probably the, the lineup they're going to want to at least close games with. And I was I was speculating like if the Celtics think 
that lineup is like contender ish, then don't don't they wouldn't they want to ride the start of the season with that as their starting lineup and see how the rest of the rotation plays out behind that and then you know they have all of the assets and flexibility they need to make uh certain types of moves whether it's getting someone like a thad young i was speculating like maybe daniel tice becomes available after you know his contract is tradable in december 15th uh because i actually think he would be like a perfect third big to 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 pair with those two guys uh for all sorts of reasons so um do you see them closing games too mike I mean, to me, the ideal would be that that's a starting and closing lineup, yeah. And then, and I don't think it needs to be situational. Like, I, I think, I think that, um, I think they'd be able to per- pretty much guard against any any type of lineup construct. Like, I, 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 unless maybe like Golden State gets fully healthy and can kind of go go with, uh, you know, a Draymond at the five and and you know, maybe like Jordan Poole and, and Clay and Steph are all running around causing havoc. Maybe that's a lineup that you'd have to downsize against. But aside from that, like, I don't know who in the league is going to present a lineup that's so dynamic and mobile that the Celtics wouldn't be like that 10, that five, some wouldn't be able to defend it like at a really, really high level. The The only other comment I'd have on that is I just think, uh, I mean, Josh, you alluded to this at the top of the conversation, at the top of the the the, the episode, but like Al just makes things work better. <laughs> like <Yep. laughs> I missed him. <laughs> yep. Um. Uh, uh. He just he goes to the right place at the right time, whether it's sucking in the defense, whether it's making a cut, getting the ball quickly, relocating it. It's just all of these tiny little things that make everything hum that much more effectively. Uh, none of it's spectacular, uh, but it makes, you know, I think a big part of the reason why this preseason offense is more fun to watch is, is you know, just Al Horford presence and, and how he helps uh, unlock like ball movement and, and make sure the ball's not sticking. Agreed. Um, so that, that's the only other comment I'd have on that. Josh, we've got two more preseason games coming up this week, Wednesday night against the Magic again, and then uh, the last one, Friday, against the Heat. What are you looking for in those games? <laughs> Mo Bamba. Oh, boy. That's supposed to be my line. I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to see who else shows up, given an opportunity the way that uh, Langford has in a way that makes Udoka rethink who his lineups are going to be and who gets more playing time. Um, I, I'm curious to see what, uh, what combinations he plays with and, and how they are on the court together. Mike, what are you looking for in these next two games? Um, well, I, I would say, I would say I'm, I'm looking forward to, sorry to jump in, Mike. Uh, I'm looking forward to more of, of the worst players getting more time. I think that we're actually going to be disappointed with the amount that our, our stars and our starters are going to play in the next couple of games. I think that you may see some guys take nights off and we're going to see who, who's deserving of roster spots. You know, like we still have a second um, two-way contract to give out. Right. So uh, I think that you're going to see you more. Think of gonna, like, you think that's going to come from in the, inside the team. Well, I think in the in the next couple of games, we're going to see more scenarios like we did at the end of the last game, where you know we, we've got a very mismatched lineup out there trying to survive. Um, 
yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to see if we keep Arsha Diakono as the second two way guy next to Sam Hauser. I don't know if it's going to be like. I think know, he's played too pet. long in the league, man. Yeah, think... he might not be eligible to be a two way. Yeah. Oh, he's not eligible. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you think the two way is just like for a guy that <laughs> that like is hanging is on the fringes, and it's really for young players that haven't that don't have much experience in the league. Once you've played, I think more than two years, uh, I don't think you're eligible. Oh, I had no idea there was an age rule for it. It's not age; it's time it's in the that, league. Yeah, and and you, and they also have limits on the amount of time that you can be a two way player too. Yeah, Archie Dinakino was not looking great to me. I mean, I loved him in college. Uh, but and he was he was all right on the Bulls uh, at, at times. But, I mean, uh, he was he was all right on a really bad Bulls team. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that he's uh, he, uh, the answer to any question for the Celtics. Sam Hauser has <laughs> With not all impressed. Uh, Sam yeah. Hauser was put in some very uncomfortable positions trying to break the press in the last game uh, three that different was, times. That was uncomfortable for us to watch more as much as it was for him to try to execute. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, Adam, to answer your question, I mean, Josh, you're you're very possibly, if not likely, right that that there might be uh, less less playing time for for some of the regulars um, than than hoped. But incidentally, I hope you're you're wrong about it because uh, I do think um, while the, the ball movement's been nice um, and there have been some good stretches, there's also been a lot of sloppy play. Uh, I I think. You know, Jason Tatum, um, less so, but a little bit. Uh, Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart have always had some turnover issues. I'd really like them to continue to kind of work on the new offense and, and cut down on turnovers. Um, and, and I'd like to see kind of the turnover efficiency uh, or the turnover um, a little bit cleaner and tighter and just see some some uh, evidence in kind of the exhibition games of of uh improved execution before the preseason runs out um it'll be interesting to see uh, as you both noted whether any players kind of you know further establish themselves or or make a case i'm i'm particularly curious i think i think one of the you know the grant williams wancho hernan gomez uh piece is going to be really interesting i'm i'm curious if uh there's going to be room for more than one of if if even either of uh, Neesmith or Langford in the regular rotation, um, and so it'll be interesting. You know those those kind of four players in particular. I'm I'm very interested to see kind of where their how their roles seem to shake out. I have an end. I, I th- Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I think that Neesmith is going to play his way into the rotation. I kind of yeah. see no way, no 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 reality where that does not happen. And so when we go back to Adams' um, tears. I kind of think like Neesmith is outside on the outside looking in of that top seven or so, but I th- I think that he needs to be included because we all know he's just going to end up there just through his hard play. It's a, it, yeah, to me, it's just a numbers game. I mean, again, like if he's in and we're locked in at eight, does that mean that only one or two of Pritchard, Langford, Grant, Juancho, and Cantor? Uh, regularly play in the rotation. I think like, take Cantor out. Cantor's going to have spot minutes to, just depending on matchups, and and so then you have that group of four. That yeah, I yeah. think it's only going to be two. And you, you're not including Wancho in that. 
Josh. No, I would put Wancho in that group too. So that's twelve total. That's that's five guys uh, outside looking in, including Neesmith. Yeah, and, and I feel like you could say the same thing that you said about Neesmith for Pritchard and Langford. Assuming Langford can hit league average from three. I think they're both below behind Neesmith right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I think Pritchard's probably a little ahead of Neesmith. Uh, I think they're both ahead of Langford. Um, I and Josh, I would agree. I would agree with you about Cantor. I guess my stance on Cantor is predicated on on my belief that uh, that we're going to start two bigs, and thus we'll need a truer big to be part of the core rotation. And and I think your expectation is based on not starting two bigs, and that Horford will just split minutes effectively with Rob, and and. Um, I think basically what you're saying is is the main argument. I would I would say is in favor of not starting both Rob and Al. Yeah, maybe Ime goes with uh, not st- not uh, starting Rob and Al just because of the numbers, just to make it all work. And Cantor's an easier person to say sorry. Yeah, it depends on who we're playing. I have an end of the roster question for you guys. We have 15 players with Grant with um, Jabari Parker who his contract is unguaranteed. Would you keep him for that 15th roster and guarantee his contract? Or would you not keep him and why to keep a roster spot open? I believe it's very partially guaranteed. I think he already got like a hundred K or something. Uh, and I would cut him in a heartbeat because I never understood why we signed him in the first place. <laughs> I love it. Mike coming in hot with that take. Okay, so first game uh, of the season, he gets another. He's already got, uh, I think, a hundred grand. First game of the season, he gets another one point one guaranteed. Uh, yeah, I mean, <sighs> again, he he would have already been off the roster a long time ago. If I were like, I don't, I just don't see it. I don't get it. If if our team is constructed in such a way that we need Jabari Parker to be like an offensive spark plug. We're in so much trouble, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. fundamental. Like there's a reason why his stock has fallen to where it has in the league. And I mean, you know, he had a couple of good moments in the you know fourth quarter garbage time uh, of the preseason game. He had a three, he had a dunk uh, and, you know, he goody. Like I, I just, I do, I do, I just don't understand. Like we have, we definitely have 15 better players on the team right now. Josh. Yeah. I, I I think I'm going to have to lean towards cutting him. I think that there's like the idea of Jabari Parker being like that break glass in case of emergency offensive forward in case, like let's say Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum go out and we now need to conjure up offense. Having that, that dude who we know has that skill set is nice. But I think that when I've watched him play, he's always uh, messing things up in terms of like, it's, it's either he, everyone knows he's just going to try to get a bucket. And so it's a one on five offense or just the timing of the rotations defensively, the timing, even offensively just feels like he's never in sync with the other guys on the court. Like that's, that's what we're trying to develop here with this team. That's why the ball movement is so nice and so such a breath of fresh air. I think that, yeah, there may be someone else who comes around who's, who's, who I'd rather give that roster spot to. Um, and that's saying something because I'm all about continuity. We had him on the team last year. There's obviously a reason they kept him around. I think that they're going to choose to keep him around again. But 
you know, with COVID and everything, you need as many guys who've been around as possible. So are you talking yourself out of it now? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I've been going back and forth, but I'm, I'm out on him. If I, yeah. if, you know, gun to my head, I'm saying no. I think I'd cut him also. I think I like that. I like having an open roster spot. I agree with the COVID comment. And I do think that's going to be an issue this year again uh, because of protocols. But uh, I like having that open spot for trades for um, definitely at the end of the year for signing vets um, who get cut. And um, you never know. There might be a cut in training camp that you might want to add to the roster. Um, And mostly because we don't need him this year. I think he's duplicative of Wancho and, and Grant Williams. And uh, I completely agree with you, Mike. If we're relying on him like we did last year, we're in trouble. All right, any final comments? That's enough. Thank you all for listening. This has been Celtics Pride on Celtics Blog. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff, MBA, and at Coach Motenko.